Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program. As we launch in hour number one, you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out with a guest uh, tonight. It's unusual for us. It is unusual. It's not usually a guest-based show, but from time to time, there are certain outstanding individuals that deserve attention from Free Talk Live, and hopefully your attention as well. And the individual we're going to talk to tonight is somebody who's involved with promoting the Ron Paul campaign. Now, note, I say he's involved with promoting it. He's not actually a member of the Ron Paul campaign officially. In fact, most of the people that are promoting the Ron Paul campaign, including you and I, Mark, uh, are not actually campaign staff. This is what is so cool, one of the coolest things about the Ron Paul campaign, is that it's so diverse... It's so widespread. It's so decentralized. Right. It's, uh, it is it is the definition of grassroots. That gets used with every single campaign out right. there. Every political movement. It's so overused. But this is, in fact, coming from the people. Yeah, it really is. And to uh, to bring him in without any further ado, and I hope I've never spoken with him by phone, so I haven't had a chance to pronounce his name up until now. I'm going to give it a try. Why don't you just let him do it? I probably should. But I don't know. I feel wrong not bringing the guest in without announcing his name. I'm going to try it. VJ? Did I get it right? That's right. That's Ah. absolutely right. All right. Now, how do you pronounce the last name? Boyapati? Yeah, that was a great pronunciation, actually. As good as I could do it. All right. Very good. Vijay, welcome to Free Talk Live. (laughs) We're glad to have you on the air. Now, um, I found out about you because some of my listeners got pretty excited. Obviously, they're pretty excited about Ron Paul, and they found out what, what you were doing, and they sent me several emails about this. And you're doing something called Operation Live Free or Die. But I suppose we should pause for one quick moment before we talk about your operation, and have you tell our listeners, because we normally do it, but you tell our listeners who are just tuning in, who this Ron Paul guy is anyway. Uh, Okay, Ron Paul is a congressman from Texas, and he's uh, running for president of the United States as a Republican candidate. And uh, he's, he's really the only candidate, I think, who's carrying the message of individual liberty and limited government and, uh, you know, the traditional Republican message. Excellent. And he's done a fan, just a fantastic job so far, raising money, shocking the mainstream media, just blowing the other candidates away in the debates. It's been just an incredible year. He announced, what, back in February, I think? And he raised $5 million in the last quarter alone. He's over a million already in, in this quarter. He's one of the top guys in uh, you know earnings in the quarter and in holdings. And one of the, the, the neatest things about the campaign is the decentralized activism movement that has sprung up around him. People are coming up with their own ideas as far as how to promote Ron Paul's candidacy. Some people are going out there and they're doing – there's like Ron Paul Radio uh, there, there's uh, Ron Paul websites that are selling all kinds of Ron Paul merchandise. I mean, everything from your standard run-of-the-mill T-shirts and hats to window stickers that you can put across the entire back window Huge of your vinyl vehicle. Window stickers. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things out there, and none of these are being produced by the actual campaign. I think they do have their own little campaign store, but the real creative items are out there on the internet on the Ron Paul fan sites. But it's not just items; it's not just things; it's also concepts. And uh, you're one of the people that. Has come up with a really original concept, and it's called Operation Live Free or Die. What is it, VJ? 
Uh, okay, Operation Live Free or Die is a grassroots effort and it's uh, intended to help ensure that New Hampshire nominates Dr. Paul as the Republican candidate for President of the United States. And it, it's especially important, I think, because New Hampshire is required by their state constitution to be the first primary in the election cycle. Um, and the aim of the effort is to gather over a 1,000 of Ron Paul's most enthusiastic, dedicated supporters from all over the country and uh, to have them converge on New Hampshire in the days and weeks leading up to the state's primary to you know, spread the message, to help canvas, um, to tell people why freedom is important. And, and I really think that this is a, a message that people in New Hampshire are receptive to, so I'm, I'm really excited to get out there. Fantastic. Now, let's before we continue talking about the the plan and the the program, Operation Live Free or Die, let's reverse a little bit. You seem to have an accent. Where are you from? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Australia, and uh, I came to the States about seven years ago to do a PhD, and uh, I ended up not doing the PhD and uh, going off to a company that you might know called Google. Mm. Um, and uh, I became a citizen just a couple of years ago, so uh, this will be the first presidential election I can vote in. Excellent. Excellent. Congratulations on that. Um, Google, by the way, I just love <laughs> I just love Google's products and services, and I just think it's probably one of the best companies out there. So congratulations. Yeah, it's, on, a fan- uh, it's a fantastic place to work as well. Excellent. Um, all right, so you moved over from Australia, and what did um, at what point did you encounter... Personally, the message of liberty, at what point did that become important to your life? Um, you know, I, I, was, I, I guess I was a sort of left-wing, I had left, a left-wing philosophy when I left Australia, and it wasn't really because I had thought about it very much. It was mm-hmm. just in universities, you sort of absorb it through osmosis. And I remember coming over here and thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense. I started working and I started thinking a lot of the ideas, a lot of these left-wing ideas didn't really make much sense, economically at least. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not left-wing. That means I'm a conservative. And after a while I realized, no, I, I have still pretty liberal social values. Um, so I, I, I finally happened upon this libertarian movement and, uh, and I realized that's what I am. I'm a libertarian. I, I basically basically believe that we should be able to live our lives as we see fit and people in, uh, you know, government shouldn't be able to tell us what we should do with You're our, such a radical, VJ, a radical! I know, it's so <laughs> scary. Now, VJ, um, you know, Google's sort of a young company and you're out in... Uh, out in the Washington area, um, that would seem to me to be liberal territory. Do you, it is, fi- yep. <laughs> do you find lots of liberals at Google, or do you find there's lots of libertarians, or do you find more conservatives? What's what's it like there working at Google? Um, it's mostly liberal. Google has a lot of people who have uh, who are left wing politically, but there are also a lot of libertarians. And we've started a, a mailing list at Google called Liberty at Google, and. Hmm. There's almost a hundred people on that, um, so it's quite a quite a big list. And uh, the the message of uh, individual freedom has a pretty strong voice at Google. I have to say that the uh, the interview that Google did with Ron Paul was pretty phenomenal. Uh, it was fairly lengthy, and Ron really had an opportunity to uh, to get out his points and and really flesh them out. And whoever was doing the interviewing there was uh, was more than fair. In fact, I would say almost downright friendly towards uh, towards Ron Paul with his questioning. 
And, uh, in fact, you actually appear in that video, and that's sort of how you got a, got a name, I suppose you could say. Uh, so <laughs> to anyone who hasn't seen that Ron Paul video from Google, highly recommend it. It's, uh, it is very good. Now, uh, let's see. So let's keep talking about Operation Live Free or Die here. You've chosen New Hampshire. You, you're targeting it to send activists, the, like the top Ron Paul activists. You want to recruit them and send them to New Hampshire and have them live there for days, if not weeks, up into the, the primary to help stump for Ron Paul and promote and spread the word. And I think it's an interesting idea. How has this been received so far amongst the Ron Paul fan population? Is this, easy, is this an easy sell? Um, it's, it, people are really enthusiastic. I've already got hundreds of emails. Um, I've had, so far I've had almost 50 people volunteer from all over the country. Um, we've got people from Texas, uh, Oregon, Washington, New York, um, all over the country people have uh, volunteered. And, uh, it, it is hard though because, you know, it, for a lot of people it's difficult to, to, uh, make the financial commitment to, to take a week off and fly to New Hampshire and find accommodation. Right. But uh, one, one thing that's been really positive is there's uh, a movement in New Hampshire, the, the, the Free State Project, <laughs> and I've, I've contacted them, and uh, there, there have been a bunch of people there who've been extremely generous in offering uh, you know, their house to people right. to stay in. I was going to suggest that if you hadn't done it already. I'm thinking there's all these great activists here. I know they normally offer up, you know, couches for people to come up and crash on and that sort of thing. So th that will certainly lessen the burden for people that are, are a little bit more financially controlled. Hang on, VJ. If we can, we're going to bring you back. If you've got a question for him, 800-259-9231. He's in charge of Operation Live Free or Die, and this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free, so enjoy those on us, including archives. An entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website, for your download and convenience, you just go and get them. They're totally free at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. We're actually talking about something Free State related. New Hampshire and the Operation Live Free or Die concept that is uh, being, well... Uh, offered up on the internet at, by the way, the website for them is seattleliberty.com, even though it doesn't actually have anything to do with Seattle. Let's go back to its creator. <laughs> Vijay uh, Boyapati is on the line. He is a an engineer over at Google, as a matter of fact, and got pretty excited about the whole Liberty thing when he came across it, uh, I guess, a few years ago, has moved over here from, um, moved here from Australia. And this is going to be your first election uh, you're going to be able to vote in. And so far, it looks like you're uh, leaning pretty heavily towards Ron Paul. Oh, very heavily. I think he's secured my vote already. <laughs> now, for somebody like me, I've lived here my whole life. I've voted, uh, I've voted exclusively for libertarian candidates up until now. And uh, I have to say that this whole Ron Paul thing is is pretty exciting. As a as a longtime libertarian, watching libertarian candidates fail and fail and fail again, uh, it, really, I feel like Ron Paul could actually pull this off. Like there's actually a chance. And what you're doing with Operation Live Free or Die is you're is you're helping that. You're encouraging 
activists to move to New Hampshire temporarily uh, for maybe a few weeks or a few days before the primary election in order to get out there and hit the streets and, and get active for Ron Paul. And you're saying that's already just had a tremendous effect. Is, is Seattle Liberty the best, uh, SeattleLiberty.com the best website to go to get more information on this? Yes, that's right. Seattle Liberty is uh, my website, and uh, it's uh, the only reason Seattle's in there is because I live in Seattle. So that's the relation. <laughs> Got it. Makes sense. Um, so, what else do we need to know? What else do our listeners need to know about Operation Live Free or Die? How's the? Uh, how should they get involved? What will be expected of them uh, if they do come to New Hampshire? How's it going to work? I mean, the the whole Ron Paul situation is very decentralized. There's not really anybody in charge. But how will this particular operation be run? Right. That's actually. I think that's a little bit of a problem that it's so decentralized because it's not allowing us to have a bigger impact in certain really important areas. And that's sort of why I wanted to uh, start this effort, because I want to get a 1,000 of Ron Paul's most enthusiastic supporters to converge on New Hampshire, because I think we could have a tremendous amount of... Uh, a tremendous impact in a state as small as New Hampshire, because you look at the largest city, the largest cities in uh, New Hampshire, like Manchester, mm-hmm. that's 100,000 people. Yeah. And if you have a 1,000 people together canvassing and rallying, you could reach out to everyone in the city, literally every single person in the city, and uh, get the message to them. Because I think one of the problems is not that people are against Ron Ron Paul's message. Actually, most people who hear it are really receptive to it. Mm -hmm. The biggest problem is that most people still don't know about him. And that's what I want to happen with Operation Live Free or Die. Once I've grown the movement to critical mass, which I think is... 500 to 1,000 people. I want to start organizing things like major rallies in Portsmouth and Manchester and the the other cities in the state. Great. And um, make events out of them. You know, get get bands involved, have food, make it something that people would be interested to uh, come to. Wow, even that's if fantastic. they're not that interested in politics. That is that is a uh, just an amazing idea, and uh, it'll probably have to be indoors because it'll be really cold at that time here in New Hampshire. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, as in case you don't know, I mean, you heard us read the Free State Project advertisement when we came back, but we're also Free State Project members here on this show, and uh, we moved up here from Florida actually uh, over a year ago at this point. And I'm I'm so happy that you're aware of the Free State Project and that you've already gotten in touch with them because I have a, I hope that they're going to be a big help. Uh, the the early movers that have moved here to New Hampshire and are are already across the state in all of those major cities and even in smaller areas, I'm sure will be excited by this idea once they hear about it and uh, and will come to to the aid of those people who are moving here and provide them with the couches to crash on and provide them with you know guest rooms to stay in and that sort of thing if not at zero cost at probably very very little cost because you know the number one thing most of them want to help Ron Paul but number two we also selfishly want to promote the free state project and uh, yep. a thousand people that are willing to move here temporarily for some sort of activism gig like this would be prime prospects to actually be Free State Project members and move their entire lives to New Hampshire eventually. Well, not necessarily, you know, the next week, uh, but some people are going to want to stay. I'm telling you. Have you ever been to New Hampshire? No, but, you know, I, I was thinking very carefully and strongly about joining the Free State Project uh, when I first heard about it, and I, I have a huge amount of admiration for the movement. Um, and the only reason, really, that I stayed... Uh, on the West Coast is I'm originally from Australia, and mm-hmm. me, it's, it's really important to be able to get back to and fro really quickly. Makes sense. Um, but uh, I have a 
tremendous amount of admiration for what you guys have done. I think and, you'd be. Uh, I think you're going to be impressed when you get here and you see what you actually can see it in person, and especially because the primary. It sounds like now it, it was rumored that it was going to be in early December, but it's looking like it's going to be the first week in January or the second week. I hope so. And, I hope so because the earlier it is, the the more difficult it becomes for us to organize these kind of movements. And it's, right. I really hope they push it back as far as possible. Well, secondarily to that, um, not only will that give you more time, but also the Free State Project's Liberty Forum is scheduled for early January as well, which is a phenomenal event that I just know that uh, it's going to be a popular one amongst the people that are going to be coming here temporarily. It's where free staters and, and soon-to-be free staters get together. We have a little sort of hotel convention thing with hundreds of liberty lovers all in the same place um, doing a convention thing, and their speakers, and we had John Stossel last year, and it was it was an amazing event, so that'll be nice to uh, to coincide with, uh, with Operation Live Free or Die. Mark, I've been asking a lot of questions. Do you have any uh, questions for BJ? You know, I, I'm I'm wondering how many people he's going to be bringing. I, I'm, I'm you know at this point it's really incipient, and I wonder, you know, what what's going to happen? What what what's the the you know what do you envision, VJ? I I really hope that we can get over a thousand people because I think the effect of a thousand dedicated, enthusiastic supporters in a state like New Hampshire could be, you know, unprecedented because. Giuliani and Mitt Romney and people like that are going to pay people to be on the ground. But paying people, those people don't have the same passion and, and enthusiasm as Ron Paul supporters who, who nope. are devoting their time and their money. They're not being paid. They're coming there because they really believe in this message. And uh, I just think it'll be tremendous if we can get that many people. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm positive that we can just from the, the number of emails I've gotten so far. It's just a matter of getting the word out about this movement. I think there'll be a lot of people who want to come. Great. So our listeners that are interested should go to seattleliberty.com to learn more and get signed up as a volunteer. That's, once again, seattleliberty.com. VJ's in charge of this whole thing. You'll be talking to him, I'm sure. And uh, I said that when you come here to New Hampshire, VJ, we probably have you on the show. If you're in the Keene area, we're in the southwestern corner of the state, little city of 25,000. And uh, look forward to seeing you in New Hampshire. That would be fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to you guys. Thank you for coming on the show tonight and uh, being an originator of a fantastic idea. Have a great weekend, VJ, and thank you again for being on Free Talk okay. Live. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Those are the kinds of thinkers and doers that are behind the Ron Paul revolution. It's a, just an amazing group of people. More on the way, this is your show. It's Free Talk Live. You take control. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free, 800-259-9231, the live Saturday program. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up. And we keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. I sent out an update today, in fact. We're doing another banner auction, Mark. Second banner on the website. Went for a record 198 bucks last time. Now, I thought that was way too high. I don't know if it's going to go that high this time. It's gone as low as, you know, 50 within the past six months. So it could go anywhere. And that's why we put it up for auction to see what you think it's worth. So if you want to advertise a product or service or something completely different... 
Go to auction.freetalklive.com and place your bid. That's auction.freetalklive.com as we go right to the phone calls here and start things out with Chris in Hawaii. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Aloha. Hey, what's on your mind? Oh, this is Christopher Sean Ward. I'm calling from Kauai, Hawaii. Oh, okay. And I just wanted to publicly express my support for Ron Paul and thank Alex Jones for all the things that he has taught me. We don't know who that is. This is another radio show. Now, why are you um, supporting Ron Paul? Because I think Ron Paul has uh, great intentions, and Ron Paul is a good man, and I think that he will succeed. Very good. Anything else on your mind tonight? Yes, I wanted to bring you some good words. Trick or treat. Aloha. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Appreciate it. Man, those guys are laid back. Can you, you tell how laid back he sounded? He didn't sound like he had a lot of worries. Yeah. It's Hawaii for you, I guess. Yeah. Right? All right, let's continue here and go to John in Salem, New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, John. Okay, guys, if you're going to say trick or treat, I, I originally came from Salem, Mass. That's like a major holiday all month long down there, but I that's bet. obviously not why I called. Indeed. This guy, VJ, that you just had on, <clears throat> fantastic idea. Um, I've had somebody up here uh, provided floor space. I'm not sure I can do that comfortably this time, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe I'll figure out a way to do it comfortably or not so comfortably. Uh, I don't have a lot of money to, to, to chip in and all that stuff, but he mentioned doing something like a concert. Uh, we got people that do videos and do other things. That's my form of activism. I write some songs. Absolutely. Uh, when he when he listens to the podcast and gets all caught up on this, I'm sure that we'll find it on nhfree.com, and I'll get plugged in if they like some little no-name guy to come along and fill in a little bit of the dead space between all the major acts. I think it's a great <laughs> idea. I mean, there. you're you're the man who's been out there uh, creating original songs, not only for Ron Paul, but also for some of the activists here in New Hampshire that have been arrested uh, recently for civil disobedience, and it's really great. Uh, I think it's great stuff. In fact, what you should do, instead of just hoping to get in touch with him, is uh, reach out. Uh, go to SeattleLiberty.com, which is his website. That's uh, VJ, the gentleman we just had on, the man who's organizing Operation Live Free or Die. Uh, once again, SeattleLiberty.com, and get signed up as a volunteer. I'm sure he'd really appreciate your help, John. Yeah, maybe I'll plug in with that. I'm not a big Internet guy other than listening to Free Talk Live and NHFree.com. I don't know. You work your way around that NHFree.com forum pretty well, John. Yeah, I, get, I, would... I get okay with it. Yeah. You know what the other thing I'm thinking? Hmm. Some of these volunteers, when they come up there, maybe they'll stay. Exactly. Uh, the, the, song, the song that I uh, originally wrote for New Hampshire is a love song. It's called Let Me Call You Home. And I'm going to tell these volunteers when they're getting up here, that's what they're going to be saying. I think Let you're right. I, I think we can retain so I think we, re, we can retain a good percentage of these 1,000 people. And the ones that go back home afterwards are going to be itching to get back here. No doubt about it. Hey, the other thing is, if Ron Paul happens to win... We'll take America back, and, and the whole country will be going back to liberty. So we'll I don't all, know. I, we'll now, hold on a second. Now, now that's, a, that's certainly a positive way to think, but you have to remember, Ron Paul can't have an effect on state governments and local governments and all the tyrannical micromanaging nonsense they try to run roughshod over your life with. So there's still going to be a lot of work to be done, even if Ron Paul does get, in, uh, get, does get into office. No doubt about that. Ron Paul's the man. Thanks for the call, John. You're the man. Right, we appreciate night, it. 800-259-9231. <laughs> Let's continue. Go to Mark in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT. What's on your mind tonight, Mark? Oh, uh, you guys hear me okay? We've got you. What's up? Okay, I was just bringing up, I talked to you guys before about the property tax issue here. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, well, they finally came up with a solution here. 
Um, the governor, who's uh, he's pretty well liked by libertarian-minded people. He's pretty free market oriented. Um, he's privatized a lot of the government, but uh, he's came up with a solution on um, putting a cap on property taxes and increasing uh, sales tax. Oh, that's really original. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, people just don't get it. They just want, it's so frustrating. Because I listen to the local station here with Abdul in the morning and everything, and uh, they're calling up and they're like, yeah, you know, the home talk about million issues against uh, property taxes. Everyone, all these special interest groups are involved. And I'm like, well, we got to pay for this government one way or another. And if we maybe got rid of the war on drugs, and, uh, you know. That'd be a good one to cut. That'd be a nice starting program to just slash and burn. They never think about cutting government programs. No, though. that would put bureaucrats out of jobs. You know, and, and property yeah. taxes and sales taxes are both percentages. Property tax is a percentage of the value of your home. Sales tax is a percentage of the thing you buy. Things you buy, so they should theoretically be going up over time. Yeah. The, the government gets more money, but no, no, they have to raise the percentage, which is right. It just shows that they're growing the size of government. They never stop. Never stop spending. Yeah, never stop growing. When they talk about fighting crime here, I'm like, well, duh, that's, that's where crime stems from. A lot of it is war on drugs. If, you know, there, obviously there's going to be some people who and steal and murder and all that, but sure. a fraction, if, you know, we got rid of this prohibition, and, uh, fully privatizing schools, that's, of course, a lot of the budget right there, too. Oh, my gosh. Here in, uh, here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we do the show from, 60% of the city's budget goes to the schools. It is Unbelievable! I don't know what it's like out there in Indiana, but that is oh, just—it's probably about, uh, it's at least the same. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's the biggest. A lot of people just don't like. To, they talk about you know school choice and all that stuff, but uh, it's really you know just more government. It's, yeah, it's no real. And vouchers is okay, but I like. You know, I don't have kids. I don't like being punished. You know, the our, voucher you know, thing is uh, is misleading. It's actually, uh, we've talked about this within the last few weeks on the show, and if you go back in the archives, you can get the details. Uh, but there was a great article over at LewRockwell.com that just completely decimated the voucher thing. I mean, Mark, before I read this article, you were on board with vouchers. Yeah, I and thought the vouchers would be a good, uh, a good way to add competition, well, but, uh, you know, really, all they, they do is spread uh, government regulation right. to the private schools. It's like a voucher... Is is like the device to infect a private school with governmentitis. Essentially, as soon as a private school takes a voucher, they become the bitch of the government, and they have to do whatever the government asks them to do in order to get the money. So you're essentially turning private schools into government uh, welfare queens. Yeah. Well, plus it takes a government, you know, administrator bureaucrat. Uh Send that voucher back, so it's just more government, anyways. Yep, and it's still socialism. It's still the, the same principle, still in effect. It's it's not any less socialist. They're still taking right. your money and giving it to other people who didn't earn it, and that's not right. Right. So, anyways, Congress is uh, supposed to uh, uh, vote on this now and make a con state constitutional amendment for it. But um, people are just too busy, you know, blaming both parties and the current mayor here. Apparently, no one likes, but because of the these issues. Well, I'm like, well, even if you minimize or um, I don't want to not really minimize streamline government so much, people are still going to have to pay for these programs, whether they like it or not, one way or another. And it's so simple. People just don't get it. It's true. Mark, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing uh, from you tonight. 800-259-9231. People don't get it. He's right about that. They are really darn busy with their own lives. They've got bills to pay. They've got kids' mouths to feed and their own mouths to feed and houses to repair and so on and so forth. Things to do. People in America today are busy. Now, of course, one of the reasons why they're so busy, and they may or may not realize this, is because of the burden of the state, is because of the government and all of the oppressive taxes that they have put on us at federal 
state, and local levels. We are paying through the nose to the tune of 60, maybe even 70% of our income at various different levels to the government. And that's why we're so damn busy. That's why parents have to have two, three jobs apiece in order to keep the bills paid and the, the power turned on. How can, I mean, you can't blame people for being so damn busy that they don't want to think about what the government is doing or what, what the next awful program is to come out because that's depressing. Right. People, you know, they think that they're in whatever um, IRS income bracket and that's what their taxes are. They assume that, you know, I'm in the 25% uh, bracket, which, you know, isn't a very high one but don't forget the eight percent sales tax maybe more that you're paying the property taxes uh, i don't Cell know phone tax, several thousand dollars power a year. bill tax cable bill tax how about the hidden taxes like inflation the ones you can't even calculate the hotel rooms you name it they're out there and then the, the taxes on the items you buy a loaf of bread cigarettes you, you're paying the taxes that are built in that the company had to pay I mean, it's, it's nuts more on the way you take control anything goes it's free talk live Free Talk Live. It is your show, the live Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features for free. So enjoy those on us. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com. You want to help support the show? Then go shopping with us at store.freetalklive.com. Great Free Talk Live branded merchandise and more. All available at store.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles. All within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. We just got off the phone with Mark in Indianapolis who made a radical suggestion. He thinks that an easy way to cut down on the size of government is to end the war on drugs. And I have to say, I completely agree with him. It's a sensible thing to do because it's nuts. It's nutso to put our friends and family members into jail cells and punish them and force them to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars in fines and waste their time simply because they deem it appropriate for them to use other drugs besides alcohol uh, for recreational purposes. And I think that the the most um, salient point on this is we're not talking about re- legalizing drugs. We're talking about re-legalizing drugs. Right. Since, uh, you know, about the 1920s is when we started to crack down on these things. We prohibited alcohol about that time, too. How come we... You know, made it legal to possess alcohol after that, but none of the rest of these things. I mean, a a teenage boy, a young boy, could go into a drugstore and buy heroin, likely for uh, some kind of medicinal purpose at the time, right there at a drugstore. But somehow or another, we didn't have, you know, a huge rampant drug problem. Is it possible that the increase in drug um, usage is really centered around the economics of the drug war? Now, Absolutely. I'm not saying that the government is in, intending that people get uh, you know, wrapped up in drugs. I'm just saying... That would be a conspiracy theory. That from supply-side economics, um, you know, th- th- there's a lot of money to be made in, in drugs. So there's people out there that really want to push them. Absolutely. And th- it's, certainly drugs are far more pervasive than they used to be. Right. So but not... Um, far more, but not more ready, um, not more available. They were certainly available before. So now, what's interesting about this whole war on drugs, besides the fact that it's really expensive and really intrusive, and has uh, contributed to the breakdown of uh, some of the constitutional freedoms that we are supposed to have in this country, especially, especially the Fourth Amendment, mm. uh, the right to privacy. You know, there's all kinds of damage to our freedoms that the war on drugs has done. But some, some people around this country 
in some states, I think around 13 states at this point, have decided to do something sensible in this whole situation and move away from a full-on war on drugs. They haven't ended the war on drugs entirely, but they've taken a baby step. And they've passed legislation that – and it's not always legislation. Sometimes it's uh, – Sometimes it's those uh, referendums, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, either way, they've gotten something on the ballot or passed legislation that creates a medical marijuana program and allows people to smoke marijuana or vaporize it or consume it in whatever way they feel like with the permission of a doctor. And these have usually been done to great applause and to – I mean, obviously with with one of those voting referendums, it's – majority of voters as well so it's something that people are looking for and in fact polls show that something like 80 percent of americans think that marijuana should be available uh, available medically and i think over 60 percent of americans believe marijuana should be re-legalized so i mean it's incredibly popular idea and it makes sense because there are millions of marijuana consumers in this country the idea of locking them all up in a jail cell is just utter madness and so anyway, these, these states have tried to move in the direction toward lessening the war on drugs in that area. But yet police agencies have been less than willing to go along with things. Now, it's interesting because when you talk to the police, and we've talked to them on this show before, some friendly, some not so friendly, uh, but some of them will say to you, in fact, most of them will say to you, look, don't take it up with me. We'll tell them, well, we don't like these laws. Why are you enforcing them? Look, it's my job to enforce the law. Don't take it up with me. You can change the law if you just take it up with your local uh, legislature. Right. And and then the first thing that happens when you bring some kind of marijuana legalization, usually medical mar- marijuana legalization, uh, you know, uh, let, um, you know a, a rule that we would have changed, a local ordinance or whether it's a state uh, statute or whatever, Mm-hmm. The first group that shows up is the chiefs of police. Right. These are the people that are supposed to just be enforcing the right. law. Well, we're just enforcing the law. The hell you are. You're in there, uh, you know, advocating for the law to stay the way it is. Why? Yep. Because chiefs of, of police know precisely what's going to happen if they, um, you know, stop enforcing marijuana, legis- um, you know, marijuana illegalization. Well... Their departments are going to get cut down because the war on drugs really is a war on marijuana. It's easier to find than right. everything else. Um, so they, you know, they can put all these cops out there looking for marijuana. It's stinky. It's bulky. They're going to be successful. Pull over a group of kids. Odds are good. One of them is going to have a bag of pot on them or something. Half of the half of the arrests in America for drugs are for marijuana, and more than half. More than half, and more than half of those are for possession. And we're not talking about a piddly number of arrests here. We're talking about more arrests than the population of several states. Mm. Uh, we're talking about over 700. 700 oh, yeah, it is over 800,000 now arrests for marijuana. And almost all of them are for possession, just simple possession, ruining people's lives. So my point here is that some states have tried to go in the direction of uh, lessening the, the damage that this awful war on drugs is doing to their state populations. But yet the police continue to resist every single step of the way, except in Montana. According to Normal and Reason in the Missoula, in sharp contrast with the authorities in Denver, who essentially ignored a 2005 ballot initiative that repealed local penalties for marijuana possession. Remember that story, Mark? Yeah. Uh, in Denver, the you know the, the local populace in the city voted that uh, they didn't want uh, marijuana to be illegal. Exactly. And the people the, spoke. And the sheriff said, you know what? Screw, Screw you, you, people. I'm going to keep arresting you. Yep. I don't care what, what you say. Yep. 
Uh, well, now, according to the top prosecutor in Montana County, Mon- excuse me, Missoula County, Montana, he has apparently asked police to stop arresting pot smokers. Now, this is the prosecutor telling the police that. Citing a 2006 referendum that said such arrests should be the lowest law enforcement priority. Missoula County Attorney Fred Van Valkenburg strongly opposed the referendum, but is nonetheless heeding the message sent by voters. Huh. Imagine that. A so-called public servant actually doing his job. He said, quote, In the interest of compliance with the 2006 voter initiative on marijuana, we are asking law enforcement officers to stop arresting individuals or writing and submitting tickets with mandatory appearance dates where the offense committed is solely possession of marijuana in misdemeanor amounts or possession of drug paraphernalia intended for the use of marijuana, according to a draft of the policy by the county attorney. He, his policy also instructs deputy prosecutors to charge misdemeanor marijuana cases on a lowest priority basis when marijuana is the sole offense. He says we'll treat them as uncharged cases. They'll be assigned to a prosecutor and charged on a lowest priority basis. If charged, we'll seek issuance of a summons with the complaint uh, going on. In Denver, where police have continued to charge people for marijuana possession under state law, the folks behind the 2005 initiative are trying again with a measure similar to the one passed in Missoula County. It sounds like the Denver initiative is worded more strongly than the Missoula counties, which the Missoulan characterizes as a mere suggestion to county law enforcement. So it wasn't even a mandate. They were just saying, look, here's what the people don't want. They don't want you to continue arresting their friends and family members for smoking pot. So it wasn't even an actual order. It was just, hey, p- please, we please do this? And in Missoula, they went with it. In Missoula, the county prosecutor got behind it, even though he originally opposed the concept. Well, Can't we have more people like that? That's how public servants are supposed to be. Right. Now, uh, I know that, uh, I know that in, you know, the majority of the time, our public servants have become our public masters. But uh, this guy sounds like he's doing his job. Right. Not that I want government around, but if we're going to have government, can't we have more people like him in there? Uh, anyway, by contrast to, to Denver, again, it's, it's they're, well, again, they're trying again in Denver. And given that the impact that a mere suggestion had in Missoula, I may have been wrong to describe the Denver measure as purely symbolic, and whatever its practical impact, its symbolism is important as an expression of public disenchantment with at least some of the aspects of the war on drugs. So, slowly things are moving in the right direction, but man, it is like turning the Titanic around in front of an iceberg to get these government bureaucrats to change the way they do business. Let's go to the phones. You can take control. Kyle in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Kyle. Kyle, going once. Kyle, in Ohio, going twice. Yes. I hear him. There he is. Kyle, what's on your mind? Uh, I heard you talking about the war on drugs, and uh, I just couldn't help but think, looking back to the 20s, like you were talking about when drugs started getting banned and there was the prohibition, that it was ironic that they brought back alcohol. When you look at it, that's more of a cause for problem than marijuana or any other drug is. You're right. When it Alcohol, alcohol poisoning or an alcohol de- alcohol related deaths kill more people than all of the illegal drugs combined. All of them. It's really amazing. If you had more points on that, hang on. We'll bring it back after the news in hour number two. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Look, prohibition doesn't work, and if you think it does, you're just the person I want to talk to tonight. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Also on the way, parents. Are your daughters, young teen, not even teen daughters, younger than teen daughters, are they dressing too sexily? want to hear about that. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. 
For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of a live Saturday edition of the program, and you, as always, can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Going right back into the phone calls here. Uh, On the way, we'll talk about young girls and how they dress. Is it a problem? I think it might be. Let's go, though, to the phones first. Back to Kyle in Ohio. Kyle had a few more thoughts on this whole war on drugs madness going on in this country. What else did you have for us tonight, Kyle? Yeah, you know, I, I completely agree with you in that prohibition doesn't work. I mean, it didn't work the last time, and I don't really think that it would do anything to work in the future. Nope. But, I mean, at the same time, it seems like they focus too much on the war on drugs rather than another possible war on alcohol. I mean, even though it is a drug itself, but more focus on that. I mean, when was the last time you heard anybody, you know, cause a deadly car crash because they were high under the influence of marijuana it's usually because they're drunk or driving under the influence of alcohol right it's that's an interesting point because there are millions of marijuana users who drive it is something that plenty of marijuana users uh do i've done it myself and uh statistics even show that marijuana smokers because they know they're uh they are high they compensate for that fact and they drive a little bit safer they might drive a little bit slower a little bit more cautiously whereas an alcohol user doesn't really realize how inebriated they are i mean obviously when you're too drunk you really can't judge for yourself uh how effectively and uh and that's why we have so many DUI situations you would think that if indeed there were this rash or even if there were some even if there were a handful of people out there causing wrecks uh because of marijuana that w- that would be getting headlines because the the police agencies would be very much in favor of promoting those sorts of cases to point out how evil marijuana is but yet you never see it until until they have something that's proven their point, I guess I can't really fall into those categories to believe what they're saying. I mean, until they have some statistics that's showing that the use of marijuana while you're driving is just as bad as people that drink and drive, I'm, I, I'm not believing well, it. Well, drinking and driving is a crime, and somehow we manage to, in society today, we manage to allow people to drink, but we, you know, arrest people who drink and drive. I think that... Uh, it, you know, I don't know what the penalties should be for smoking and uh, marijuana and driving, but we have them. So I don't see any reason why, you know, it, it, it should have any effect on the legalization of marijuana or any other drug. For no, that it certainly shouldn't. And, Kyle, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you tonight. 800-259-9231. This prohibition insanity needs to end if we ever want to have a chance at having freedom back in this country. It's a critical aspect to reinstating liberty in America. It really is. You know, I... Uh, if I drink too much caffeine, I become a more aggressive driver. Should they, you know, have laws against that, too? I'm just wondering, how, how far do we need to go with this? That's a great question. Let's continue with the phone calls, though. You can bring up anything. It's uh, Let's talk to Nick in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT. Hello, Nick. What's up? Hey, you're hey. on the air. What's on your mind? Uh, well, a couple things. Uh, bear with me if I take too long, and I'm trying to get out. This is my first time call. Okay, great. And uh, also, I've been listening to, I'm a podcast test listener, and I, don't get it. I live in Louisville, um, just visiting up here, and I've been listening for about three months, and so this is my first time getting on the air. Um, 
anyway, so I'd like to just say a bunch of things, so real quick, a couple small things. One, Ron Paul, it's awesome, <laughs> and uh, thanks to your show. You know, I'm really not a political person by mm-hmm. any means, uh, and so I thought it was kind of neat when I started listening to the show. Uh, all of a sudden, my friends are like, oh, so you want to talk politics now? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> talk about Ron Paul. <laughs> Well, it's so, easy. Uh, I mean, it's easy once you understand the principle of the, you know, the liberty movement, the idea that you just shouldn't be using uh, initiating force on people. You can take on any issue, which is why Mark and I are such effective talk show hosts. We don't have to know all the details and the ins and outs of every single issue. We just have to know, well, where's the force? Are they using force? If so, then it's a problem. So it's really, it's a brilliant uh, position to be coming from. But I, I still shy away personally from the term. I, I don't like being labeled as a political show or being political, because I hate politics. I hate it oh, with a passion. Yeah, I understand not, uh, not a political show. I just meant talking politics myself, because I even tell people who, uh, or I promote the show all, all the time, I'll say, oh, you need to listen to Free Talk Live. And, uh, and I'll say, well, it's not, you know, traditionally a political show. You know, people are talking about donuts and, you know, <laughs> All kinds of stuff. So, I mean, it's really about anything. But, right. Um, well, we talk about issues on Free Talk Live, and inevitably we have to talk about politics simply because it's so important in our lives. Because these people in government want to rule over your life. And that's something that really upsets me. And so, therefore, I feel as though I must be involved simply to defend my freedom. And I just wish more people felt that way. Exactly. And I think it's uh, even more uh, strange because I'm actually in the military right now, Ooh. in the National Guard. Yeah. And so, if they're listening right now, I'm in trouble. Well, they don't know who you are. Now, now, now Ron Paul is the most supported uh, presidential candidate by military members. Financially supported, I should say. Are uh, you seeing that amongst your uh, your co-compatriots well, there? Yeah, in the well, I was going yeah, to comment on that. Uh, it's kind of, it's actually a lot of people at uh, the base that I'm at, uh, they, they tore me up, you know. Oh, what are you talking about? You know, because a lot of the guys that I am with, now I see some of the older older guys that I work with, but a lot of the young guys are just, they don't understand, you know, yeah, let's go kill the ragheads, and, you know, I mean, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible, the, the, the way that they have no idea, they don't think for themselves, you know. Right. It's horrible. And well, so they're probably fresh I, out of government schools. <laughs> exactly, and it's true, and I'm like, I don't, and I can't convince them, you know, they just, I can talk to them to the blue in the face, and they just, and I'm not old by any means, I'm 27, but, mm-hmm. you know, to talk to a 17, 18 year old right in the military, you know, wants to go over there and you know, that's all he wants to do is go kill people and have fun. And he thinks it's a fantasy land where he's going to get paid good money and, you know, get his school paid for. Now, they say they pay for my school, my tuition. I'm in the National Guard. Mm-hmm. I've been in eight years. I've gone two years. And the only reason is, is because the first two years I went to school, 9-11 hit, boom, I'm gone. Never could go back to school. They say, oh, we'll pay for your school. But you got to jump through a bunch of hoops to try to get there in the first place. Yeah, we've heard stories from people in the military and uh, and read them online as well that it's just the whole paying for school thing isn't what they claim it to be. And that's not a surprise. The, the military has been known for being, uh, well, a little more than dishonest with its recruits. Yeah, well, also, it's funny because I think universities and colleges are a joke anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, I agree with Maybe you. Maybe I'll worry just, about it. The most important thing for people to remember about universities and colleges is they're doing business. They're selling a product. Right. They want you to come through their doors to separate you from your money. Now, that's not to say that it's not completely useless. If you want to be a doctor or an engineer, then you pretty much have to go to college. Yeah, you need a degree for that. But for most things, you don't. Yeah, exactly. You have to get their their licenses and their certificates and, and things like that, so... You know, they have to jump through their hoops just as just as much. But. So now you said you've been in the military eight years. How much more time are you uh, you stand for? Well, <laughs> I wish I would have uh, 
found out or started listening to your show, and, and it's not your show necessarily, because I've always been uh, anti-authoritarian, which is kind of ironic that I'm in the military, mm-hmm. uh, but it just so happens that the job that I have, I'm kind of, I'm on a, um, an aircraft, and I'm the only person that does my job in the aircraft. So really, I don't uh, really, except for the pilots and stuff, I don't really have anybody saying, okay, you do this, you know, and no, I know my job. Yeah. So I kind of get away with a lot of stuff. Uh, oh, you're not the only bureaucrat who gets away with a lot of stuff, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad because I always tell people uh, when I go on trips, like, I get paid to uh, – and, and, again, I'm saying this knowing that it's not at all right. I mean, I, I, I'm just in. You know, I, I, I can't get out. And so I take trips, and I'll get on active duty, and I'm the laziest person. I mean, I did, I did uh, Border Patrol. Now, when I did Border Patrol, guess what I did? I sat in a um, – uh, work with some helicopters. I sat in a, a trailer for 12 hours and played uh, PlayStation and uh, read some books. Would you catch a lot of uh, illegal aliens? <laughs> yes, he was playing a video game where he could catch illegal aliens, apparently. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was getting paid per diem. And, you know, and how, now, now hold on a second. How unusual would you say a job like that is within the Border Patrol? Not, not very unusual. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there. I mean, they, they either... Even if they have a heart for it, they say, oh, yeah, I want to get those guys. And I'm, yeah, go Border Patrol. They don't want to do anything. They realize <laughs> that they get paid regardless. So. Exactly. This is why it's so amusing when I hear these anti-immigration zealots talking about how we just need more troops down there. We need a fence, and that's going to put a stop to it. We need more troops to play uh, Halo. It's amazing. It's like they don't understand. Normally they think government's pretty incompetent, but somehow when it comes to the border patrol or the military, all of a sudden bureaucracy goes away and you've got an efficiently running organization. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. And it's been a great call, man. We appreciate it. Uh, and have a, uh, have a great weekend, Vince. 800, not Vince, but uh, Mark. 800-259-9231. Vince is on the way. And Troy, and your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. Control of the airwaves toll free 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll free line for you. Ian here. Hey, Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. We've got a wiki with over 1,400 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website at freetalklive.com. Com. And you can get directly to it by going to wiki.freetalklive.com, wiki.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com. For the sleep you've been dreaming of, that's SavvyRest.com. Ian, I met a guy today. Uh, today. His name was Earl, and he had been hospitalized several times over the past uh, few months. Well, uh, over a period of months, uh, a, a few months ago. And it was because of his mattress. I'm not what? kidding you. Absolutely. It was the it was a, wow. a brand new mattress. It was leaching all these chemicals out. He had no idea why he was so ill. He had these uh, pneumonia flu, like pneumonia flu-like symptoms and it was because of his mattress. That is amazing. If he had gotten a savvy rest mattress. How did he mattress, track it down? How did he The doctors um the doctor actually asked him um you know are do you do you have a new mattress? And he's like, "Wow." Yeah. Oh, That's not being no, unusual. No. He said, did you um, install new carpeting? He's like, no. Well, anything else um, new? And he's like, well, we got a new mattress. And he said, why don't you try sleeping someplace else? And he said that he's never gone back on his new mattress. That's amazing. And the mattress company will not take it back. 
I bet they won't. 800-259-9231. Let's continue with the phone calls here. Talk to Vince in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Vince, you're on Free Talk Live. Vince. Go, Vince. Vince. Hello. He sounds like he's in a construction zone. Vince. Vince. Put him back on hold. Let's try Troy in Canada. Troy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Ah, indeed. Yes. um, How will you be remembering it? Well, I'll be, uh, well, I'm Canadian, but I'm going to try to find a way to buy something uh, from an American friend of mine that he might make $100 uh, profit on. He might be able to donate that for me. And the website, uh, thisnovemberfifth.com. You've probably heard about that, though. We've been hearing about it quite a bit over the last week, as a matter of fact. Our listeners appear to be pretty excited about the concept. What is thisnovemberfifth.com? Well, um, it's about it's a guy trying to get together 100,000 Americans to all donate um, $100 each for Mr. Ron Paul. And uh, right now he's got 11,095 subscribers, it says. So 11,095 uh, people committed to no, wait a 100,000. So is it, it 11,000 subscribers to an email list, or is that 11,000 people who have committed? Committed. Wow, well, that's incredible. I, I think so. That's, yeah, and, you know, it's not everybody's um, out there can commit to $100, so I'll bet there's going to be even more money than that donated to the Ron Paul campaign Probably on true. the 5th of November. Yeah, a friend of mine is going to do 200 instead of 100 and, but, uh, but um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool idea. Exciting. Anything else on your mind tonight? Uh, just quickly about uh, drinking and driving. Um, yes. I, I just wanted to say that... Uh, it's, the drinking and driving isn't a crime itself. You gotta you gotta hurt somebody to have a crime, right? Although it, it is illegal. It's illegal. But, it's, yeah. Yeah, but it's not a crime. And right, you haven't hurt anybody, and so you really haven't you know broken any you know you haven't done anything wrong, as it were. Yeah, you've broken a law, but 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 you know they've done studies, and I don't know if you can trust studies or not usually. But uh, cell phone talking on the cell phone is actually more distracting than than drinking and driving, like the people that go through these tests and the guys that are drunk to go through these tests uh, do better than the cell phone talkers. So it's just, if you... Interesting. Uh, governments should concentrate on um, when, when somebody makes a mistake, then making them accountable for that mistake. Absolutely. Like I, think, I think that uh, irresponsible and dangerous driving should be perhaps a, a punishable offense, but just this wholesale stopping every single car, checking everybody's breath, I mean, these drunk... Uh, Roadblocks that they put up around the country are absolutely outrageous, seem very unconstitutional and very anti-American and certainly anti-freedom. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you, Troy. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Bill in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Hello, Bill. Bill in Indianapolis. Hey. Um, Don't knock the military for its educational benefits. It's called the GI Bill, and that's what Congress gives us to be able to give out to those people that are... Uh, want to work hard enough than the lazy guy that you had on before. Well, um, we've had many military people come in, um, call the show, and I, you know, we're not making the assertion. We've just heard them say that uh, it's it's difficult to get the GI Bill once you get in the military. That there's a lot of big promises when you start, and um, that you know it, it they they don't all pay off. Is that, they're, 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 they're difficult to pay off. My point is, yeah. It's not the military to be knocking. It needs to be knocking Congress for what they're giving out 
to the military members. Oh, that's fine. We we certainly are more than happy to knock Congress. But but the military is promoting the idea. I mean, they're out there plugging away on advertising and in their recruiting offices that, oh, hey, kids, get signed up. It's going to be easy. We're going to pay for and, their schools, and, and it's not easy. It's not. And right. And there's standards, and there's standards for a reason, because you need high-quality people in the military to do the jobs that, that frankly, somebody else won't do. So there are college scholarship programs for those that are qualified, and that's it. And it's basically from Congress. Right. Well, and, and Congress says so. Now, you, we had, we, you talked to the gentleman that you, you'd called lazy there, and, and – um, I, I that was uh, Nick, by the way. Right. I got his name wrong, and I'm so sorry. For that. Okay. Well, um, we talked to Nick, and you called him lazy, and I'm sure that there's, um, you know, I'm sure there's some hardworking people in the military, but have you ever heard the term lazy bureaucrat? Uh, that's people in Congress. Okay. Huh. Uh, Congress, well, actually, they're elected no. officials. People that work for the government that aren't elected would be more defined as what a bureaucrat is. Um, and now, you know, it's it's funny that the term bureaucrat, you know, lazy gets attached to the, um, the term bureaucrat. And I'm sure not all bureaucrats are lazy. Um, and Just most for some them. reason, we are to believe that, you know, the bureaucrats with guns, people in the military, aren't lazy. And according to what he's saying, that's just not the case. I mean, it's just the fact is, if you're a bureaucrat, you have incentives to be lazy versus somebody working in the private sector where you have incentives to perform. So it's really just a matter of how the whole system is set up. And bureaucracy just sucks in general, whether it be the post office or the military. Any other thoughts, Bill? Well, not speaking for the Border Patrol, but if I had a gentleman like that in my division playing Halo 24 hours a day, he wouldn't be in my division very long. Sounded to me like it was his whole division that was playing. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You know, talk is cheap. Uh, it's easy to say, well, my division would be different. But you're not the, unless you're there monitoring them the whole time, then how can you say that for sure? And, you know, bureaucracy bureaucracy does breed um, these sorts of things. I mean, it sure know, does. It, it, it's just the way things work. I used to know somebody who worked with us at the radio station we used to work at down in Florida. His name was Scott, and he got a job as a bureaucrat. Now, he did a fine job for the radio station. He got his work done. Mm-hmm. He got it he done got it on done time. Quickly. He was the uh, the traffic manager, so he would insert the uh, the commercials in every single night after the, you know, to create the logs for the next day for the station to run on. And he did other things as well. And he'd worked there for years, so obviously he was getting his job done. But he told me about his job as a bureaucrat. During the day. Now, his job was relatively important on the scale of bureaucrats, right? He was going around inspecting citrus trees for canker and bugs and the nasty things that can infect citrus trees. And uh, apparently his job consisted of him driving around his state-issued truck and smoking marijuana all day. Well, he had to get drive in order to get paid because they had to see the mileage on the truck. Correct, correct. And that's how they really checked his work. He, occasionally, he would stop by and hang a little thing in a tree or something like that, but otherwise, he drove around and got high all day long and got paid for it. The fact is, these are the jobs that are available in bureaucracy, and that's why so many people are attracted to them, because they're easy and they pay well, and we need to abolish them. More on the way, it's Free Talk Live, or at least replace, replace them with market alternatives. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Live streams are available live uh, in broadband and dial-up versions, both for free at freetalklive.com. 
Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or a limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Let's try Vince again uh, in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT. Vince, you're back on Free Talk Live. Well, how are you gentlemen doing tonight? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Sorry about the first time I was turned down the radio. and. <laughs> That's okay. What's up? But, uh, you know, there, there's things that we need to, you guys need to uh, maybe look at sometimes. I don't know if you've ever heard of Milton Friedman, but you might read his read some of his books about free free to choose and all that. I read his son, I think his son is David Friedman, and I read his one of his books, and it was just a little too on the scholarly side for me. I, I prefer more sort of general market style writing, not necessarily the scholarly stuff. But I know a lot of people out there do dig that, in which case I'm sure Milton Friedman is a fine But choice. he's talked about, you know, free to choose when he had that on PBS back in the 70s. And he said, you know, he commented about the things, the coming war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on debt. You know, and it, it, what he was talking about was, you know, you know, the basically grinding down of our freedoms. Yeah, and that's what's happened. Whenever, and it's interesting if you notice, whenever the government has a war on fill in the blank, the blank usually ends up becoming more uh, popular. It, it, the, the drugs are f- bigger than they've ever been in the past. They're more available. Uh, poverty certainly hasn't gone away. Uh, there was a war on alcohol back in the day. It was called prohibition. That didn't work either. A war on terrorism is resulting in more instances of terrorism. I mean, war is a bad, bad idea, and anything done by the government usually usually results in the opposite of its original intentions, or at least abject failure. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, I, I watch some of these, because I've been hospitalized, and now I'm back to work, but, uh, but I've been watching some of these abject programs, and, and the other thing was, I listened to this lady from Oregon, she's a former Supreme Court justice in Oregon, and the thing that was going on there was, Pete, she said that across the country, they're not enforcing the laws. Well, I think you know, they're enforcing and, and plenty of laws. It's just they're enforcing uh, awful laws that are taking away our freedoms. I mean, they're certainly enforcing the war on drugs. 1.5 million people were arrested last year for drug possession. Oh, yeah, and they clogged the jails up. And, and she said, you know, the one thing is you, you can't sit there and, 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 you know, she said, like, drunk driving, they can't really prosecute that. Because... There's no incentive for the policeman to do anything. Well, that's They're true. Not paid to do that. I guess you get you get some money out of the drunks, and really, I think the incentive is right to uh, is to control people. And Vince, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing Thank from you. you. I think the incentive with the uh, I, I think there are really some cops out there that want to make a difference, and there are some cops that uh, that really want to help people. I know that. I've met some of them. But then there are the cops out there that really relish in the fact that they get to control other people's lives. They're authoritarians to the core. They love the idea of enforcing laws on people. It really sort of gets them going and well, gets them off. The power of yeah. their position. Yeah, and they like, uh, the, they like the idea of controlling people. And that's a, di- that's a disturbing person to be putting in a position like that. Unfortunately, that position attracts people like that. Well, because power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, and it attracts the easily corruptible and, and those in search of power. So that's why we're in such a, a precarious situation today with these government bureaucrats just running roughshod over our lives. And really, what I said earlier at the end of Bill's call is that 
Some of these government programs can be cut, obviously. We can just end the war on drugs. Other things should be marketized. Now, notice I didn't use the term privatized, because I don't like the term privatized. The term privatized doesn't really mean full privatization these days. Mm -hmm. What that means is that we're going to give a government contract to some private company with a sweetheart 99-year deal, like, oh, yeah, you can run this road for 100 years. You know, that's not real privatization. Real marketization would be to completely turn a bureaucracy into, like, an entrepreneurial employee-owned business. And I think th- this is my idea. And the idea. only way to do that is, in, in fact, turn it into a business. Right. This is my idea. I don't know how effective it will be. I don't know how possible it is, but it seems like something that could be done. You take a bureaucracy like, I don't know, the welfare department or government schools, and you turn it over to the employees. Because whenever a politician gets up there and starts proposing, we're going to cut this and we're going to cut that, it really upsets the bureaucrats. They don't want to lose their jobs. No, they right? hate that idea. Uh, they, they think they're doing something valuable, or at least you know they certainly enjoy working for the bureaucracy because of all the benefits and everything. And uh, they don't want that to go away. And when someone says, I'm going to cut your bureaucracy, they get very upset, and they activate against whoever that particular person is. But if you're going to advocate that, oh, no, you government teachers, you'll still be, t- you'll still be able to teach kids. You're just going to have to do it a little differently. You're going to have to figure out how to fund yourself for the first time ever. Instead of having these checks handed to you on a silver platter, you're going to have to work in the marketplace and compete and innovate just like everybody else does. Just like anybody who isn't a bureaucrat has to do in order to make a living. And I know they're not going to like that either. They certainly aren't because, I mean, a lot of these teachers are are lazy just like uh, the guys laying around playing video games while they're supposed to be patrolling the border. I mean, bureaucrats are lazy. So I understand they're not going to like that, but at least it's not taking the schools out of their hands. It's actually putting the schools really into their hands for the first time because I know there are a lot of teachers out there that are upset about the system that don't like the administration, that don't like the bureaucracy, and would like the uh, the ability to innovate, but aren't necessarily ready to go work for a private school right. or the a jobs lo- aren't available. A lot of teachers um, would love the idea of being able to innovate for their classroom, they, and you know it's, it's getting beaten out of them because they're inside this giant bureaucracy. Right. And I think your plan for uh, just giving the public schools in a particular community over to the teachers is a fantastic one. Um, yep. Not the teachers, but the staff Everybody. Yeah. Every, give Every- them all an equal share. That way they can't bicker and argue over, oh, that's not fair. The administrators have more shares than we do. Give and everybody give, one share. Give them a, give them a, give them a um, each a share and then give them a, a year of you know taxes to uh, get their little... It's a little buffer. Yeah, get their little school off the, the ground, their big school, which mm-hmm. everybody goes to. They, they already have Customer at their base. school... The largest customer base, yep. um, and they have, you know, th- they've been given the land, the building, everything. If you can't make your public school work with that kind of, uh, right. uh, you know, you got situation, no debt. you got no debt on those buildings. That's tremendous. That's a huge investment, and you would own a piece of it. See, as uh, if you're a bureaucrat, that is. Uh, you would own a piece of those buildings, as would everybody else. And mm-hmm. so then let them decide. I mean, they're always the ones talking about how great democracy is, right? Well, here you go. You finally have yourself your own little democracy at work. And you can go and have meetings and vote on things and, you know, have your little employee-owned business. I think it would completely change the face of uh, of education in this mm-hmm. country. I think and any other bureaucracy, welfare department, turn it into a private charity. Here you go. You can have your welfare building or whatever. I mean, if it shares a building with other bureaucracies, they'll all have to share in that. But here, you can have your little offices, and now they now you own that. And you can go and raise money on a voluntary basis, just like the Salvation Army does, just like, you know, 
You fill in the blank of whatever private charity, the Red Cross. These people don't have problems raising money. Why can't the Welfare Department do that? I, I, I just couldn't tell you. Well, it's because they don't have to. They've got somebody handing them money every single month, whether or not they do a good job, and that needs to change. 800-259-9231. As soon as we change the method of funding for government, we won't have government as we currently do anymore. We'll have voluntary organizations operating in the marketplace, and that's the way it should be, in my opinion. Let's continue with the phone calls and go to Neil in Florida on the amplifier line. Hello, Neil. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Hey there, guys. Hey, what's happening? Uh, well- I just wanted to tell you all about uh, my experience in starting up a newspaper uh, here in Florida. It's called the Liberty Sentinel. Now, you are a uh, University of Florida student. Is this a University of Florida-based paper, or is it something intended for the general area? Well, everyone who's working with us are basically students, and we're all doing it volunteer. But we really don't want it to be known as a student paper. We're uh, covering Gainesville, we're covering the county, and we're hoping to expand to all of North Central Florida. So you are going to secure, you're securing distribution locations, you're putting the paper together. I want you to give me like a step-by-step, because people are out there, if you'll hang on, we'll bring you back. People are out there wondering, well, how can I get active? What can I do? They may not necessarily have something they're really excited about. Maybe they just need to hear about more things. We were talking about radio and uh, television last night. Let's talk print. Let's talk papers in moments. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, it is your show, the live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and uh, shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. 41 categories to shop in. Huge selection of products, great free super saver shipping deals on most of their, uh, a, a significant percentage of at least of the items that they sell. And it's Amazon. You know them. They're reliable. They're the number one internet retailer. It's just that if you enter through that link, Free Talk Live gets a cut. So go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and get your shopping done. Let's go back to Neil in Florida. Neil's a University of Florida student, though I think you're going to be uh, graduating next year, right? Hopefully, and I'll be moving directly to the free state after that. That is pretty exciting. And so what you're calling about tonight is to tell us about starting up a newspaper, which you and some of your activist friends have been doing down there in Gainesville. And it's something that has been done up here in uh, New Hampshire. The Keene Free Press is here in Keene, where we live. I know they're talking about starting up a Manchester Free uh, Press over in Manchester. And uh, they're even looking at like a statewide paper uh, coming up soon as well. So what are, what are the mechanics like of this? I mean, how expensive is it? What did you have to do? How long did it take it to, uh, to, to get up and running? Well, it, it certainly has taken a lot of work. And, in fact, we, uh, we did incorporate. Uh, there's just so much liability in, in, you know, printing things about local politicians and local bureaucrats and uh, people like that, that we just can't risk our futures and have you know, our wages garnished. and uh, Now, why is there liability? I, I thought that, uh, you know, there's just not as much... The, the laws in regards to libel aren't as harsh when it comes to public personalities. So if you're talking about politicians, then I wouldn't think there'd be as much liability there. Uh, you know, I, I do believe uh, that's true. I, I am a linguistics major. Uh, I'm the publisher. I deal with uh, the managerial uh, part of it, the business part. Uh, we have an executive editor who is a uh, journalism graduate here, 
uh, at UF. And um, uh, he's, of course, had to go through this uh, liberal uh, journalistic program. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, it, every day in class, he's been almost tortured by uh, global warming and by social corporate responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But uh, he knows more about that than I. Uh, he's uh, really experienced in that. I guess that's uh, just one of the debates that's going on up here is that the Keen Free Press just started printing. They didn't go through any of that incorporation stuff. And these other guys at the the Manchester side, they've been they've been doing the same things you're doing. They're going through, jumping through these hoops and uh, and asking the government, you know, basically permission to do these things, which is what a corporate, you know, incorporating is to some extent. Or you're asking for government protection at the same time you're going to be mm-hmm. criticizing government. I just wonder how that's going to end up turning out for you. But I guess uh, I guess time will tell. Uh, time will tell. Uh, we. Just now, in fact, started up this month. We got our first issue out, ah. uh, which you can find at LibertySentinel.org. LibertySentinel.org. Cool. That's, that's correct. And uh, we've been having great time with it. It, it is a ton of work, uh, but we're getting a very positive reaction, and there are many, many people who are quite enthusiastic about it. How often uh, are you going to publish this? We're, we're doing it monthly. In fact, you know, we've spent this whole month just getting this first issue out, building the base, mm-hmm. uh, mailing it to people, distributing it, uh, and uh, then we have to turn around and create the next issue. So uh, unless you unless you make it a full-time job, you're not going to have enough time to, say, get it out every two weeks. Although the uh, King Free Press, who uh, were an inspiration to me personally, uh, I do believe they, they published it every two weeks. They did. They started every two weeks, and then they ended up going uh, to once a month. And so you can do it once a month and maybe make it a little bit thicker. And I think it works just as well once a month because it's, it's got to be difficult to get out there and hit all those distribution locations. And what's that like? I mean, how is it to, how easy or difficult is it to go out there and find places to put the paper? Because that's important. Yeah, uh, local businesses, especially ones who are receptive to our message, like uh, uh, gun shops, pawn shops, etc. They've been really supportive um, in even uh, giving us just donations, hmm. such as the uh, local chapter leader of the John Birch Society. And uh, you really, first before anything, you got to know your market. Uh, Gainesville itself, uh, like you said, it's a college town. It's very socialist. In fact, we have the Civic Media Center here, which is a Marxist library. You go in there and there's anti-capitalist, you know, liberation material, labor unions. So, but outside of Gainesville, uh, it's north central Florida. So it's very rural, very conservative. And that's kind of the strategy that we're using. We're kind of couching ourselves as uh, a paleo-conservative, basing ourselves on like the ideas that the Republican Party is supposed to be, you know, uh, based on limited government, individual liberties, Constitution. Yeah, like uh, the Ron Paul kind of Republicans. Right. In fact, our entire back page is an ad for Ron Paul. It's <laughs> one of the reasons we're doing it, to help uh, get his message out, too. Now, now, let's talk about that end of things, because usually this, especially in the beginning, it's a labor of love. That's what Free Talk Live was like for years. It's taken us five years to actually start making money doing this show, and it's not a whole lot right now, I can tell you that. But for, for you, you is, Mark, you're doing all right. But uh, <laughs> but it took a long time to get to this point. And I'm really... not making as much as I was working at my uh, no. you know, job, uh, my selling advertising previously. Uh, and so it takes time. You've got to build up your, your reader base. You've got to build up your um, your advertisers. 
And are you? When are you planning? I mean, do you think? Do you see this as being a profitable thing in in the future at some point, or will it always be just sort of an activist-funded, uh, subsidized project? Well, it, it very well could be. Uh, we are a business where we hope to make money. We hope to make a profit. Of course, like you said, it's a labor of love. Uh, we, uh, the, the founders of it, we feel really invested in it, and we do have a lot of dedicated. Uh, well, we have volunteers who are quite dedicated, but it, it is hard to find a lot of uh, volunteers uh, who aren't paid. Uh, they don't feel the same amount of attachment uh, to the uh, paper. Uh, right, they're not motivated as much. Right, right. It, it, but you know, we're putting everything uh, into it. We're full-time students. I've got my activism. Uh, you know, we're all doing uh, libertarian stuff around here, campaigning for Ron Paul. So it is taking up a lot of our time, but it's uh, it's what we like to do. So um, now, are you are, are you grooming somebody to take control of the operation after you leave? Because you're gone sometime next year. That, that's true. In fact, a couple of us are moving up to New Hampshire, uh, <laughs> and our executive editor is graduating. He might go off to another paper. If if we find uh, someone to take it over, uh, we will certainly keep it here in in Gainesville, but we have had interest from people, say, in Miami who proposed using the name the Liberty Sentinel and making a regional version of it. So we thought that if if this goes big, if we can really make some money off of it or at least keep it sustainable, uh, we could very well, say, publish a statewide version of it uh, with holes for local sections, you know, local articles and local ads, and then kind of syndicate it around the state. I know they were talking about doing that with some of the, the content up here in New Hampshire. I know that the, the, the people behind the Keen Free Press are more than willing to allow their original content to be syndicated around the state. And I, I imagine that if you're really enjoying doing um, this newsprint work, that hopefully you'll bring a version of it up here if there's nothing where you're deciding to move in New Hampshire, if there's no liberty-oriented publication. Uh, maybe you should consider doing the same thing here and just transferring this uh, this direction. I, I hope to do so, uh, say, in Portsmouth. So anyone who's in Portsmouth, don't start one up just yet, please. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Any, anything else you want to share to, uh, with us about the process of uh, putting a paper together? Or, Mark, do you have any questions as a man with uh, newsprint or, or publication experience? I, you know, um, it sounds like he's going about it the right way. I was just uh, thinking, what a good I, what a good name the Liberty Sentinel was. It's a good was. one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the idea of syndicating it around the, st- uh, around the state is a great idea. Well, and it might just go nationwide. Much. I wonder what the sentinel. Wonder, now, here in Keene, New Hampshire, there is a, a Keene Sentinel. Do you think they'd be upset if the Liberty Sentinel set up shop here in Keene? I, I don't know. It sounds like a different name to me. Yeah, it, it does. I just don't know if they'd be upset. Anyway, Nick, or uh, not Nick, Nick, Neil. Thanks Neil. for the call. No, we appreciate it. I'm doing awful with names tonight. What are you going to do? We don't even have a Nick on the line. Normally, what what happens is I'll read the upcoming calls and accidentally transfer one of those names to whoever it is that's on the line and botch up a name, but. I got so many in names, uh, you know, that uh, for guys that are out there, Nick, Nate, uh, Neil, you know. It's, At least it's I didn't difficult. call him Nancy. Let's go to Florida or Paula <laughs> in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live, Paula. Yeah, hi, hon. I just heard you. I'm not that far from Gainesville. Um, How about that? If there is anything I can do to help you, because I'll tell you, that name or that paper you mentioned was just fantastic. I tell you <laughs> what, I bet they'd love to have an article from Paula in there. Paula's opinion piece every single week or every month in the well, Liberty Sentinel. Well, there's something Sentinel. I need to let y'all know about. Huh. 
Dr. Martini sent me some information. There's papers been sent to the FDA. Okay. They have 10 days to answer. They're in big trouble for all this aspartame poisoning. Right on. And the FDA is going to get shut down. Paula, thanks for the call. Hour three's coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. She's just amazing. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the live Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. And I want to change gears a little bit this hour. And I talk about a uh, what I, I, it's like a family issue, personal issue, family issue. Young girls today, and I mean young girls, not teenage girls, pre-teenage girls. Are they dressing too provocatively? That's what I would like to hear from you, especially if you are a parent and how you're dealing with this situation. Because it seems to be just incredibly popular to dress young girls in the most hoey slutty kind of clothing possible you know it's it's it seems like um it does seem that uh girls are trying to uh you know cash in earlier and earlier on the uh the power that comes from uh you know being sexually attractive and it it it, but they're not sexually attractive they're little girls i understand but they're they're, trying to look like they're women and i'm sure to little boys they're sexually attractive I don't know. Were you sexually attracted to anyone before, I prior to girls. puberty? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I liked them, but I didn't know anything about sex. I, didn't, I certainly I wasn't didn't sexually either, attracted. But I understood that I liked the way they look, and I'm certain that I would have liked them in more scanty clothing. You know, Mark, uh, we talk about uh, when we talk about sex, uh, sex and uh, freedom in re- relation to sex and that sort of thing, we're all in favor of freedom and liberty here. And they're your kids. You can dress them however you want or allow them to dress however you want. Okay, it's your business. I would certainly never legislate against this. But when I see these 10, 8, 9-year-old girls, maybe even younger, I don't know. I can't, I can't judge age very well. But when I see these young, young girls dressing this way, I, I'm no prude, okay? I'm not. But... I feel like one when I see these girls. I feel like, this is awful. <laughs> Do you feel dirty? I don't feel dirty. I feel like a prude. I feel like, wow, you know, am I like, am I completely out of it? Is everybody in favor of this? And I'm, I'm the only one? I know. I'm certainly not the only one. In fact, ABC News has done a report on this today. Among pint-sized cheerleaders, itty-bitty beauty queens, and in the malls of America, the sassy, sexy look isn't just for teens anymore. Some say younger girls are going shorter and barer, taking their cues from characters like the Cheetah Girls, the Pussycat Dolls, and the Bratz Dolls. And some observers are saying they've had enough. Celia Rivenbank, a mom who hit her breaking point with the shrinking fashions, wrote a book called Stop Dressing Your Six-Year-Old Like a Skank. Wow. The moms are buying it, the dads are buying, and maybe on some level the parents think, oh, that's cute, that's harmless, that's innocent. But I don't think it is, said Rivenbank. The children are wearing them down. And psychologist Dr. Jeff Gardier warns how a child dresses as young as age three can have serious consequences. He says you can be doing real damage to your child. They're forming their taste at a very young age, and they can hurt their futures, they can hurt their reputations, and their chances for success. Now, I don't, I don't know if the way you dress as a 10-year-old is ever going to hurt your reputation or your chance for success. I think that's blowing things out of proportion a little bit. But I think there's something inherently just weird and kind of spooky about this. And 
icky. <laughs> and I'd love to hear how you feel. I, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one here. In fact, not only do, I'm sure we can get, I'm sure it'll be easy to get parents to call in and agree with us on this one. But I'd really like to hear from a parent who allows their child to dress in this way. Not somebody who's, because I know this happens a lot, where a girl will dress the way mom wants her to dress and then pack her sort of hoey clothes in a backpack and then go and change in the school bathroom. Happens. Okay, so there's probably a bunch of parents out there that don't realize their daughters are dressing this way. But what about the ones where you, you're in a Walmart or you're in the shopping mall and you see dad walking, holding hands with his 10-year-old daughter and she's got a skirt on that, you know, its shortness rivals the, the skirts of any of the teen girls in the, uh, in the mall. What about that parent? Are you listening to this show right now? Can you just please call in and explain why you allow that mode of dressing for your daughter? Uh, 800-259-9231. Now, I'm looking at the Cheetah Girls official website, and I'm not seeing any... Is this any... Cheetah the Strip Club or no, something Cheetah, else? This is, uh, it appears to be a uh, Disney Channel uh, you know, music group, probably something like okay. the Monkees, you know, okay. sort of thrown together. Because there's also a full nude strip club called the Cheetah as well, and yes. they are called the Cheetah Girls. It's a, it's a franchise, or yeah. you know, there's, there's several of them. Um, and they don't seem to be terribly short-skirted. I, you know, I mean, they're... they're I, I would... They're not even particularly attractive, uh, you know. Most of them, in my opinion, but I don't know. They might be getting lumped in unfairly here in this uh, article. Well, I've seen the Bratz dolls. I don't know. The, the, I've seen the Bratz dolls in the stores, and they are definitely promoting the ho look. Yeah, well, I I've seen the Bratz dolls. I haven't really noticed that they're uh, particularly sexy or anything like that. I mean, girls want to be it girls want to be sexy. It's a girls doll. want to be pretty. I'm sure that they've created sexy dolls in this world. Ten-year-old Ashley Park says she admires the pussycat doll look. She said she's ten now. I like how it's sexy. Oh, wait a minute. What could you possibly know about sexiness at age 10? That's what I'd like to know. What do you, po- whatever, what? you whatever you know about them is uh, is a misconception. I know about sexiness is a misconception at right. age 10. I can tell you that. Uh, and, and what is her home life like? What is mom teaching this? What are her parents inculcating her with? Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Six year old Venus. Pussycat dolls are scantily cl- uh, dressed in the okay. pictures I'm seeing here. Six year old Venus Melvin aims a bit older, looking to model. You know, I've never seen this phenomenon, by the way. I have not seen the little girls the, walking around wearing next to nothing. Yeah, I haven't seen preteen girls running around wearing. I mean, maybe shorts. I, I guess I don't know it. Maybe it doesn't it happen doesn't as much up here because I don't. I haven't noticed it too much here. I've noticed teen girls up here really want very badly to show whatever flesh they 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 possibly can. Teen and later. Um, you know, so they, you know, they dress when it's cold, they're in uh, short skirts, but I don't know about young girls. I just haven't noticed this. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Well, let's go to the phone. So continue the story here in a moment. But Marianne is on the line. Ladies first. You're listening on WXNT in Indianapolis. Hello, Marianne. Hi, how are you? Great. What's on your mind? Well, I'm glad you brought up this topic because it's bothered me for a long time. I don't have children, but when I see them, I think, oh my, I'm glad I grew up when I did. But one of the talk show hosts has talked about uh, the way these young girls are dressed, and he calls them prostitutes. And I think, wow, that's a perfect expression for it. <laughs> that's you know, and I, I think it's a crime, you know, that... The, you know, the well, parents, you know, have to have their kids look like this. You know, I don't think it's a crime. I just think it's tacky, personally. Well, I mean, if it was a crime, we'd be putting people in jail, and I don't well, want to do I'm that. I'm using that, that figure. Yeah, figuratively. But, but, I mean, you know, let them be children for a while. Don't get them, you know, in all these real 
skimpy outfits and everything. There's plenty of time for that later. But well, now I I actually disagree with the idea of you know forcing kids to stay childlike for a long, long time. However, I don't believe that it's necessarily grown up to be behaving like this. I think that uh, I think that you know allowing kids to go out and work and uh, get into uh, get get into the the workplace where they can really mature and learn how to deal with people and interact. I think there's a lot of value to that. I think there's a lot of value to kids growing up. But I think what we have here is a situation. There's this sort of dual uh, dichotomous situation where, on one hand, we want kids. Certain people want their kids to be childlike, but on the other hand, at the same time, they're encouraged to essentially sexualize themselves. Well, so yeah, what you no. essentially have here are sexualized children. You don't have adults. You just have sexualized children. Right, and that's not good either. But I want to tell you one thing. Years ago, are you there? Oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, when Izod was the big thing. Yeah. My cousin, who could well afford to go out and buy Izod for her kids, and the kids, I got to have Izod, I got to have Izod. Well, she wasn't about to be buying those, but she got them whatever you know shirts or things that at a regular ones, not all this specialty stuff. But she'd go to the Goodwill store, buy some of these, cut out that little Izod insignia, and put it on the the shirt, and the kids were happy, and she wasn't paying a fortune for the things, and huh. you know everything was cool. That's interesting. You know, yeah. I think I think that's cool, and I, I like that uh, you know creative parenting. And I like parents that don't. Uh, I like parents that don't fall in with all the trends. That don't feel pressured to buy all their kids all this stuff. And today the brands are different, but there's always going to be the hot brands. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you're turning your kids into, is just these uh, these kids that are just obsessed with having the the right brands. Then why? I just don't feel like that's the right thing to focus on. Let's focus on, you know, learning and uh, and getting them to be entrepreneurs and and other things, not the clothes they wear. Finances, savings, yeah. all those things that are going to be important in life. <laughs> right, clothes, you know, they're exactly. important to some extent, but not these kind of clothes. These are the not important clothes at all. Can I change the subject real quickly? Quickly, yeah, sure. Okay, I wrote a book that just came out. I used to be Doris Day's secretary in the 1970s, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and it's called Day at a Time, and... Just thought maybe your listeners might be interested. There you in go. And how do you spell uh, day for people? D A Y and okay. then at and then a time. Is it available at Amazon? Amazon, yes. There you go. Amazon.freetalklive.com. We'll get you there. And uh, hey, you got a free plug out of your call tonight. Thanks cool. for the call. We appreciate it. 800 259 9231. Are your daughters dressing too provocatively? And if so, why do you allow it? This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the Sankel CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where the features are for free. The bulletin board system's there with over a quarter of a million posts. Lots of stuff to talk about, serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com, bbs.freetalklive.com. Do you, need, do you need a new computer but don't seem to have the money or credit to buy one? MyPCCredit.com is your answer. Finance top quality new computers, laptops, and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your, your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. We're talking about what I find to be a disturbing trend. And, Mark, you had said that you hadn't really noticed it that much. I noticed it uh, quite a bit down in Florida. And I I was thinking about it during the break, and I thought, yeah, I have noticed it up here in New Hampshire. The thing is, I don't... um, I don't normally go to places where there will be pre-teenage girls, but the times when I do see them is when I'm in, like, a Target. 
mm-hmm. or a Walmart or something like that when they're out shopping for these clothes that uh, that we're talking about here. We're talking about preteen females, preteen girls wearing the most revealing, hoey, trashy tramp clothes you can imagine. And if you've been out in public for any length of time, you've probably seen it. In fact, you've probably seen them walking around in these clothes with their parents. So it's very clear that they have their parents' blessing to look this way. And I, as I said before, I'm no prude when it comes to sex. Not at all. I'm a pretty open-minded guy, in fact. And I, I don't think that... I think that kids should be raised understanding what sex is. I think parents should absolutely explain these things to their kids. But I think there's a difference between understanding sex and, well, being a hoe. I mean, I don't have a better word for this. Do you, Mark? I, I feel like I should be a little bit more politically correct, but... What would be a, be- a better word? I guess it doesn't. I, I, I the 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 phenomena doesn't bother me much. Um, for some reason or another, you're it, not a. I guess you're. I'm not a father myself, but it bothers me. I why understand. Does it bug you? I don't know why. I don't know. Here's uh, you know to me. Would you say that a a young child, three four, running around naked is a problem at their house? No. Not a problem. So showing flesh for young kids to me isn't a bad thing. I just I don't care. Um, so I don't really notice it. It doesn't come into my purview. Uh, I don't spend any time thinking about it. I'm sure I must have seen the same things as you've seen. I've probably been to Target more times than you have since uh, we've moved up here. Mm-hmm. So I must have seen these things. I, it just doesn't matter to me because I'm not sexualizing these girls. And I'm thinking to some extent that uh, the people that have a problem with this uh, you know, are kind of like uh, they're sexualizing these girls in their mind, and it bothers them. I don't know if I'm sexualizing them in my mind. I just see a short skirt on a little girl, and I think, that's not appropriate. That's well, what I think. I don't necessarily sexualize them because I don't find anything sexy about it. Maybe and I I'm think not that's saying that really you necessarily want to have sex with the person, but somehow or another in your mind you're sexualizing it. I don't. I don't think it's sexy at all, though. Uh, I think that uh, they're uh, trying uh, to be sexy. Nine-year-old girl show, showing her bare legs in a short skirt. This doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, but the fact is, this is something that's going on yeah. out there in the world today. Whether or not you're noticing it, it, it is going on, and it's clear these girls want to be noticed. I mean, that's why they're. They're wearing these things, right? Okay. Isn't that why girls wear short skirts and stuff? So they can be noticed? Uh, well, they so, want, uh, people wear clothes for all kinds of reasons. They want to fit into a particular crowd. They want to be popular. They want, um, you know, they want sure. all kinds of Sure, and these are the popular clothes to wear. That's That much is true. So you're probably right. That probably is a big factor. But shouldn't parents be concerned about that? I mean, parading your daughter around she's not even old enough to really know that much about sex let alone really what it's all about necessarily and you're parading her around in these clothing these clothes that doesn't bother these parents would that bother you i mean if your daughter wanted to wear let's you're going to be a father soon now it's mm-hmm. going to be a boy that's correct but you wanted a girl and it would bother me if he was running around in a short skirt you wanted a girl though would it have bugged you if she was eight years old and she wanted to start wearing mini skirts around i mean Mini, mini, mini skirts. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't um, equate a mini skirt with sex. So, I, not really. No, um, I, you know, that's that's not what. It, it doesn't bother me. Wow, I, I'm I'm amazed by that. So you would allow, you would be one of these fathers walking around with his daughter, uh, essentially dressed like a hoe. If she, if if that's how she wants to dress, I don't, I don't really see a problem with it. Wow. Now, normally you're the conservative on this show, Mark, and I now I feel like I'm even more of a prude I, I, because I, 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 find, I have an issue with it. I, I guess you do. I, you know, I, 
I, I, you don't think that would get her like the, the wrong attention, or maybe well, uh, inculcate in her the idea Ian, that this is the way girls should dress, and that it's appropriate somehow to dress you, this way? You wouldn't have a problem with me teaching my young daughter about finances early on. You wouldn't have a problem with her learning firsthand about finances, and uh, well, right, because that helps school. her be that helps her be more self-sufficient in the future. The are you telling are me that having uh, that that understanding the male female interplay doesn't help you in life? I'm saying that um, if you dress like a hoe, you're going to be treated like a hoe. I don't think that that's necessarily true. You don't? I, 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 no. I think that a hoe you is You have respect who, for people that dress like hoes? I think that um, in, in certain circumstances, I think that a woman can dress, um, you know, and go out to a club and, and, you know, and be sexy, and then she can go to work and dress more conservatively, you know, whatever. No, I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with that. Back to the story from uh, ABC News. Six-year-old Venus Melvin aims a bit older, looking to model and fashion, looking to model and fashion mogul Kimora Lee Simmons, whoever that is. She says she's really creative and she knows how to handle fashion. This is a six-year-old talking. Three North Carolina moms and one dad who spoke to Good Morning America Weekend Edition said the pressure to please their little princesses but still have them look their age is no easy task. That's something else that bothers me, this idea that your daughter is a princess. Yeah. Uh, these people buying this princess garb and you know, pillowcases. It bothers and, me, too, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Um, a princess is a person who sits around and doesn't work and, learn, and you know, lives off of the largesse, not even the largesse. Lives off of uh, the work, the hard work of other people. Um, those people, largely being her, uh, you know, her subjects. Her subjects are forced to pay taxes, um, so that you know, to her daddy, and so mm-hmm. that her daddy can keep her in lavish lifestyle. To me, that's a disgusting thing to uh, call somebody. You know, um, any more than you'd call your son my little Adolf Hitler. <laughs> you know, I, I just no. Princess is a terrible thing to say. Yeah. Um, I, I think that. You know, we've we've learned to use it in this culture as you know. I think a I think a guy should should treat his wife very well, treating her like a queen. I don't know. It draws up bad images to me. I want a partner. I don't want a queen. Right. Someone you have to wait on hand and foot. Someone you have to constantly be satisfying in some way. And you know, they have they want bonbons, so you have to get them their bonbons or whatever. Look, I, I agree with you on that one, Mark. I definitely am looking for a partner, somebody who's equal. I don't have a problem doing things for my girlfriend. Absolutely. I, Not I, at all. I think, you know, I think that. If you don't take a certain amount of pleasure in keeping your um, significant other happy, then right. well, you know you need to grow up. There's a dividing line, though, between hap- you know keeping your partner happy and waiting on them hand and foot, mm-hmm. and that's what the princess image and the princess mentality inculcates in these young girls at and this young sort of, age. It, it sort of says it's okay to have the attitudes of um, you know a princess, and it's no, not. It's not. It's despicable, in my opinion. And I would love to hear from you. Eight hundred two five. Nine ninety two thirty one. Mark says he doesn't find this a big deal. He thinks it's okay for these girls to dress uh, like provocative little hoes, and I find I find it objectionable personally. And I would like to know how you feel about this one. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Are you a okay with this? If so, why? This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photos. To prove they listen to the show, head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. Uh, that's shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. And today, businesses, banks, healthcare providers, landlords, and educational institutions are plagued by a burgeoning rate of consumers who fail to pay their bills. You might believe this debt only affects those industries and businesses. However, when people don't pay their bills, all consumers pay the penalties, which are manifested through increased prices everywhere. So if you have or know of any businesses that require assistance with collections, tell them to call SACL CAI for a no-obligation, no-cost proposal. SACL CAI, we reposition companies to zero in on principal operations and regain their financial foundation. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That is freetalklive.com for SACL CAI. All right, so we're talking about young girls, and I do mean young. I'm talking about pre-puberty and the way they dress. It spread the hoeiness, the, the, the trend, the fashion trend towards more and more revealing clothing has spread now to, uh, to preteens. And I'm no prude. I don't mind seeing an attractive lady wearing next to nothing. Not at all. I find that just fine, personally. But when she's too young to even possibly be sexy, I find that a little disturbing. And I'm... Frankly, a little disturbed that you aren't even phased by it, Mark. I find that interesting. I guess I'm not. I just... I find that very interesting, in fact. So, would love to hear from you. Where do you stand here? Mark says, no big deal. Dress your daughters like like hoes. No problem. I I don't propose that you dress your daughters in any fashion at all. I I suppose that when... you have no objection to it, and you wouldn't mind if your daughter wanted to dress... In a certain fashion. uh, You know, if I had an objection to the way my daughter dressed, I would... I would put my foot down like you wouldn't believe. Have you seen some of the shorts with the words on the back? Yeah, I think they're kind of cute. So if your daughter wanted to wear shorts that said, like, sweet ass on the back, would that yeah, be okay? Yeah, that's not acceptable, you? no. No, that's not acceptable? No. Why is that not acceptable? Uh, I, I, no. You, I, what about junior pimp squad? Junior pimp squad? I think that uh, the the term pimp is silly. Well, the term pimp implies, you know, somebody who's uh, I know what lords implies. over women, the right. prostitutes. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> I don't, uh, no, the people people running about calling themselves pimps is is ludicrous as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. What about uh, what about like uh, some of the more imagery related ones? This article that I'm reading from ABC News doesn't have a lot of examples. I wouldn't, in accept, it. I wouldn't accept my gr- uh, my daughter wearing uh, some shirt that said "porn star" either. Okay, okay, okay. So you do have a certain level at which you would say just say no. Right. I, I thought we were talking about the uh, the the, high, uh, the how much they how revealing clothing were. That's a fa- it's all a factor here. You know, I, we're, we're talking, talking about, about the sexualization we're talking of very about young children or something like that. I've got a problem with that. Right. We're talking about the sexualization of but very young children. About, but if you're talking about a, a short skirt on a uh, young girl, I've seen I've seen young girls wearing short skirts, and I think it's just cute. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So let's uh, go to the phones here. We'll continue this story. Talk to Rick in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live, Rick. Good evening. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, Mark, I think you you lack perspective, and I only say that I'm not trying to lord it over you, of course, but I probably felt the same way before I became a father. Well, I am now, but I'm not a father of of girl. Uh, well, I will soon be a father, and I'm not a father of uh, of, of a young girl. Okay, well, I think the same rule will apply with a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe to a minor extent, but 
Um, with that said, anyway, I, I went to the store the other day to pick up a pair of tights for my four-year-old, and I was really surprised by what I saw in the rack. I mean, obviously it's been a long time since I've been in the store. I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Right. You know, usually dads don't go running out buying tights, but in this particular case you had to, right? Well, no, I, I do that on... Definitely. Okay. And, well. I, and I go to the store for Tampax for my wife as well. I mean, I've had, I've had to do deal. the same. You know, uh, but then by the same token, the other day I let my kids swim naked in the front yard because mm-hmm. there's nothing more innocent than a three or four year old out here swimming naked. And I had people driving by yelling, "Put clothes on those kids!" You hmm. know, it just there's a lot of. Uh, yeah, that seems strange to me. I don't know why uh, people would be would get so uptight about a naked uh, kid, but yeah, well, they, you know, whatever. It's well, I don't understand that either, and I don't think there's any inherent anything inherently sexual about nudity at all. Unless you're un- unless you're uncomfortable with your own sexuality, but let's not go there. What I did call to say was, I'd like to see you guys open this question up, and what what is actually the root cause? I don't think it's the parents. I don't think it's the marketplace that's driving the trend. I think the trend is driving the marketplace, and I'm really surprised that you guys haven't cited the media for that. I would say that the, the you know media is is huge. I, I think I meant dropped the MTV earlier in the in the segment, and it would it's seem been huge like for 50 years. What's that? It's been huge for 50 years. Yeah, I think that the media is um, the, the you know the, the thing that's driving this, but I don't know what to do about it. I mean, well, there's been an to, argument. Parents would, parents would have to turn off stuff. There's been an argument for years, though. Is the media creating the trends, or is it reflecting the trends? Well, and that's the question. I'd, I'd like to see you open the question up for other opinions, because I really honestly believe that there is. And you and I, Ian, we have talked about Alex Jones and his thoughts on the New World Order and the Illuminati. I don't care whether there's an Illuminati and New World Order. All I care about is the symptoms that I live with day to day. What I see is that... Kids are getting dumbed down in public school. Mm-hmm. We've got yes. kids walking around look like Trappist monks with hoods on their heads. They're, they play dumb. They act dumb. We've got kids dressing like sluts. That's the symptom of what's going on, and I see it on the TV. And by the way, my kids do not watch TV. Good for you. There's nothing worth watching on there, in my opinion. Not uh, much. There's very, very little. And anything you you can get, you can get off, you know, online. You can get via DVD. So there's no need to have television. Well, now, thanks for your time, guys. Thank appreciate you, Rick. It. We appreciate your call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So that's the question: is the is is the trend driving the media? Or is the media driving the trend? And I don't I, think it's either. I think it's it's either and it's neither and it's both at the same time. I think that uh, I think that it has to do with the dumbing down of America, and of course that comes from the government, where you know the the priorities of young people are just completely misplaced. It goes back to what I was saying before, where we have this dichotomous situation where kids are told to be children as long as possible, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, they're also becoming over-sexualized, and that's a dangerous situation because then you have the mentality of a child, but the uh, the clothing and the style of dress and the attitude, as far as sex is concerned, of an adult, and that, I think, is is problematic, but I think it comes from the dumbing down of America in that if we didn't have this mentality of, well, let's keep children children for as long as possible, and the government schools helping inculcate kids with just nonsense and misinformation and just making a, a, a just a lower class of, of stupid people, which mm-hmm. is the point of the government schools, is to separate everybody else from the elites. I think if it weren't for all that, then we could have kids that were focused on more important things, like focused on the things you were talking about earlier, finances, saving, being an entrepreneur, getting out there into the work, uh, you know, into the workplace and actually building themselves. Instead, what you have now are kids that are focusing on the most inconsequential, 
stupid things like the clothes they wear. Mm-hmm. That's what these kids obsess over. They obsess over the brands. They obsess over the appearance. They obsess over fashion. And I think that's detrimental. When you've got girls that are spending two hours in the morning or more uh, doing their makeup before school, that really shows you where the priorities have been misplaced in this country. They should be sleeping before school so they can wake up and you know take their tests more effectively and that sort of thing. But no, makeup is critical. You've got to look hot. You've got to look good. You've got to have the latest clothes. And when you've got a situation like this, back to the ABC News article... It just goes to show how the priorities are misplaced. Three North Carolina moms and one dad who spoke to Good Morning America said the pressure to please their daughters but still have them look their age is no easy easy task. One dad asked, when I'm talking to my daughter, she'll sit there and say, you don't know fashion, and how can I compete with that? Your daughter's eight years old. Why should she be even... Paying attention to fashion. Fashion is should not be what she's concerned with. But yet well, we have this mentality. I, I would say that there's a second, you know, that there's an opposing viewpoint that says, look, if you um, force your little girl um, to wear off-brand clothing and to not be able to wear makeup and those kind of things, that she's going to be stigmatized in school to be in, um, you know, a certain. Peer group. Look, there's a difference between forcing your kids to do to to do something and educating them as to why what you're doing is the right thing to do. I'm why the, what you're you doing will help them be more successful in the future, will help them be smarter in the future, and better people in the future. That's not forcing kids, it's just helping them understand. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Only moments remain, and this is the live Saturday edition, but just enough time for your call about anything. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are for free, and if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then head over and AMP Free Talk Live. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is that we give you everything on our website for free, unlike those other radio talk shows that want to charge you for their sites. We give it away free, and then we just ask you to help support us. Three bucks a month. That's a fraction of the price of those other sites, too. And you do get some perks, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only chat room and forum, and all the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. But in essence, what happens is the money comes in, and we turn it right back around and reinvest it in the program to get Free Talk Live on more radio stations across the country and thereby spread the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's valuable to you, then head over and join the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com. We reinvest every penny. It's um, true. There's, uh, there's no, uh, none of the money goes to us at all. Absolutely. 800-259-9231. So we're talking about a story that affects, I think, a lot of families in America. It ties into so many different aspects of American culture and society. Uh, we're talking about the trend in America amongst young girls. And I mean young. I'm talking 6 to 10. Heck, maybe even younger. I don't know. I, haven't really, I don't really go into the girls section of these stores, so I, can't, I don't see what they're selling. I only see these clothes when they're on the, the girls that are walking around. But we're talking about this trend towards less and less and less. Now, I'm no prude. I don't mind seeing, you know, naked girls. I don't mind that at all, but I think, I don't, I think there has to be something sexy involved for, um, for naked girls to be attractive. And, and 
little girls aren't sexy. And I don't think putting sexy clothes on them makes them sexy. And I don't think that that necessarily should be something that, that parents are doing with their kids. I don't think it's healthy to sexualize somebody who couldn't possibly have sex. I mean, they're not made for that. They haven't even gone through puberty yet. I don't think that's, I don't think it's right. And it's disturbing. It's a disturbing trend. And I think, again, it goes back to what we were talking about with this uh, dumbing down of America, where what's important to girls in America today, and guys too, it's just that their clothing isn't as sexualized. But it's important to kids in America to have the coolest fashions and the hottest trends and to be wearing the right brands. And that's what kids are concerned with when they should be concerned with uh, learning things and educating themselves and, and getting out there and working and being entrepreneurs and things like this. Instead, they're worried about, you know, their next T-shirt and what brand it's going to be. I just think that's quite a commentary on where we're at today as a society and would love to hear from you, especially if you're one of those parents that allows or maybe even encourages their, caught up in. their daughters to draw, uh, to dress in, in, these, uh, in these ways. In the meantime, we go to the phones and talk to someone who's not a parent. It's Puke in New Hampshire on the Amplifier line. Hey, Puke, what's on your mind? Good evening, gentlemen. What's happening? I, I'm definitely not a parent, but I can, I'll comment. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. I've kind of... Um, had the uh, the impression for years now that, uh, the, the, you know, the, the media and the, the marketing towards children is uh, kind of out of control. Uh, I wouldn't suggest any sort of laws against it or anything, but certainly the uh, the people that are purchasing the clothes for their children, you know, the, the, the fault is theirs because kids this young can't afford these clothing, <laughs> nope. you know, this type of clothing that they're wearing. Uh, so it's it's obviously down to the parents to simply say no. You know, my parents, whenever I wanted certain things, said no, we can't afford it, or you don't need it. And yeah. you know, I was it made me mad when I was a kid or something. You know, and yeah, I go cry around, in, but, yeah, go cry in your room. Yeah, but but now that I'm older, I realize you know that they uh, they knew what they're talking about, and that's what parents need to do is to just tell their kids no. And it's certainly kind of weird whenever you know as a as a young guy. And I'm out in public, and I notice what appears to be an attractive woman. And then as they get closer or something, you realize it's an attractive child. And then you just think to yourself, whoa, what am I thinking here? But from yeah. a distance or something, you know, or out of the, out of a, a glance or something, you think that it's a, an older woman. And then you realize, you know, whoa, hey. <laughs> so it, it is very interesting. And then that makes you wonder, is this uh, propping up the whole uh, pedophile scare that you hear about in the news everywhere. Everybody's afraid of pedophiles. Uh, you know, they're coming out of the woodwork, but yet here we have parents dressing their kids like hussies and <laughs> right. stuff. <laughs> right, you're baiting them. I mean, yeah, look, I want to make something clear. If all of a sudden tomorrow all girls uh, under the age of 12 or 13 or whatever started uh, to wear more conservative clothing, that wouldn't stop the problem with pedophiles. These guys get off on little kids and that's just their thing and whatever. It doesn't matter to them. In fact, it probably is sexier to them to have uh, kids with more clothes on because then they can imagine what they look like without them. In fact, we talked to a pedophile once on this show and he told us that uh, a pedophile will, you know, it doesn't matter if they can't get their hands on porn. They'll get their hands on a, you know, a, a kid's... Uh, underwear catalog from Sears, and they'll go right. to town on that. I mean, so I just want to make it clear, this isn't creating pedophiles necessarily, but it's certainly a disturbing trend that uh, kids are sexualizing themselves, don't it, you think? Yeah, it's sort of like a catalyst. Um, and it, it, this topic reminds me of a, a skit that Dave Chappelle, the comedian, I heard once. Uh, he, said, he was talking about um, how women will wear 
uh, suggestive clothing and then get mad when men <laughs> look at them suggestively. Right. And then his his line or his uh, punchline for the skit is, well, you may not be a whore, but you're wearing the uniform, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I was downtown dressed as a cop and somebody came up and said, hey, hey, I need your help, and I was like, what? I I'm just dressed this way. I'm not a cop. You know, I mean, it's ludicrous to think that if you're going to dress suggestively, the people aren't going to look at you. And it's it's just silly, and I don't, I I don't think know. That, just, and I think that what we have here is generations of uh, of ignorant people raising generations of more ignorant people. Because And it's yeah. not their fault. They were raised by government schools, and they were, you know, they were indoctrinated to be this way. But... It's really damaging, I think, to our society in the long run, where you've got, let's say you've got a a pair of Generation X parents in their mid-30s, like you, Mark, uh, who they still find these things to be important. They were raised thinking that clothing and brand names and that sort of things are important. So they're teaching their kids that at a very young age. They're teaching their six, seven, eight-year-old daughters that, oh, it's very important to be wearing Tommy Hilfiger or Abercrombie or whatever, whatever the hot new brands are these days. I don't keep up with that. But, uh, you know, these really? are the, you've got to look, well, you can't, you can't avoid it. You see it plastered all over the clothes when you're in, when you're in public. I and, was just suggesting that it was funny that you might keep up with it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and if you, so, if you watch Saturday morning programming, you know, just flip on the channel when there's Saturday morning cartoons and watch the commercials. Uh, I used to do that when I was younger, uh, and it would just blow my mind because I wasn't into that stuff. And, and then as I get older, I just, it, the commercials seem to be getting worse and hmm. the cartoons are just, suggestive and and you have like the disney channel which is supposed you know they have these children's programming supposedly and all the kids are like you said dressing like you know prostitutes and they're all skinny and they're all hot and all they worry about is clothing and makeup and you know who they're going to go out with and stuff and I i think it's just it's kind of a sickness and it absolutely is, and it gets worse with age. So think about this. You've got these parents that are teaching their kids that these are what, this is what's important in life, is the brand you wear and who you hang, you know, the, oh, the, the, you hang out with people wearing the same brand and blah, blah, blah. All this nonsense. Well, you teach your kids that, and you buy them these very expensive clothes, because that's a whole other side of this, is how expensive the brands are and how that's just stupid to pay that much for clothes. Uh, but we're not going to have time to get into that. But they're buying their kids these expensive uh, brand name clothes, and they're teaching them that it's important. So then when the kids get old enough to start buying their own clothes, whether they have a job or whatever the deal is, that's when you that's when the disease gets worse because then it's not being controlled. The pocketbook isn't being controlled by the parents. Then you've got these teenage girls going out and blowing their entire paychecks on purses and shoes and clothes and this sorts of thing when they could be saving uh, the money in order to have a nest egg to start their lives with. I mean, this is really destructive. And in 30 years, when these kids become parents themselves, you know, they're going to you know, that's, it's just going to compound on itself. Exactly. are going to be the same way. It's, it's really just, it's an American tragedy happening right under our nose. Puke, any other thoughts? Uh, no, that was basically it. I was going to comment on Bill, but uh, I really don't have the time. He was the one that called an hour or two about lazy military people and how he didn't think that, uh, you know, soldiers were that lazy. But he said his division wasn't like that, so that would mean that he was a, a division commander, maybe, and, and a high-ranking officer. And trust me, lower-ranking enlisted soldiers know how to how to get around the rules and hide their uh, their you know laziness and right. And well, as though the administrators aren't video. lazy, right, Puke? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it, it there's all kinds in the army. It just it just sort of breeds into them. They're obviously the good, hard-working guys, but 
it's it's a lot easier to screw off, and sometimes that's all you have to do. Now, like the other guy said, you get paid either way. That, you know, my yeah. uncle was in the Air Force, and he said it almost ruined him for the working world. I bet it did. Thanks for the call, Pete. We appreciate sure. it, man. Thanks. It, uh, we're done for tonight. It has been Ian here with you. And Mark. I just... You know, it's an issue. I'm sure it'll be continue to be discussed on our BBS, so if you didn't get a chance to get the call in on this, if you're a mother and you're concerned about this, or if you're a mother and you just think it's fine, if you're one of these moms that thinks, hey, let's buy brand name clothes, slutty, hoey clothes for our daughter, that's a good thing, send me an email or call us on Monday night. We'd still love to hear from somebody that really vehemently supports this idea. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll see you online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.